Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Hey, we wrapped up our series uh, called God on the Move, Gotham's, and, uh, and so we're, we're shifting to a new series. So today there's, uh, there's no Bro Montana, which I, I know this is a great disappointment to some of you, uh, who are watching. Sorry, kids. Uh, we're, we're shifting into our, uh, September series that we have titled Called. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in the in the next few weeks, leading up to our Vision 360 weekend. And if you got a Bible, if you would go to the Book of Exodus, chapter three, I want to read a passage there that uh, would be perhaps very familiar for some of you. It's the calling of Moses, his encounter with God at the burning bush. I want to read chapter three. So if you got your Bibles, you want to grab those and follow along. That would be uh, terrific. Um, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Um, Exodus 3, verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called out to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, replied Moses. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I'll be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now, go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely 
and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, plundering the Egyptians of their wealth. This is God's holy word. Years ago, when my kids were younger, they were playing in the backyard. And uh, I needed to talk to my oldest son, Chase. So I opened the back door and I, I said his name. Uh, I shouted pretty loudly into the backyard as the kids were playing. Chase! Chase! Uh, I could tell that he couldn't hear me calling him, but my youngest son, Cal, did hear me. Now, I, I don't know if you realize this or not. Maybe you remember this from your days as a kid growing up. Maybe you had siblings and a parent, a mom or a dad was calling for another sibling. And there's this sense of responsibility that comes over you when you see that your brother or sister is not hearing dad or mom. That's what happened to my son Cal that day. I'm, I'm, I'm calling out for my oldest son, Chase. My, my youngest son realizes that, that he can't hear. So this responsibility comes on him and he says to his brother, hey, Chase, dad wants you. And Chase turns and sees me and he comes trotting back to the house for the conversation I want to have with him. Friends, I just want to say to you that that, 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 that responsibility that, that came on Cal, a sense of obligation to pass this message that dad wants you, that that's what I'm feeling for us today. I feel this responsibility to say to you, friends, dad wants you. You are called. You are called in a unique season in world history. You are called in a unique season of, of life Dad wants you. And Exodus chapter 3 is one of those dad wants you moments. I mean, Moses is, uh, he, he's, he's grown up in Egypt and he's, he's got quite a story. Um, I'd encourage you to, to read the book of Exodus sometime. But Moses is, is born to a family uh, in, a, in, a, in a time of, of difficulty. It, there's this gender genocide taking place. Um, his mother, Jochebed, is going to take this Hebrew boy, which, by the way, in those days, every Hebrew, Hebrew boy was supposed to be killed. Her son, she's trying to save his life. She fashions, uh, with the help of family, sort of this mini Noah's Ark, puts the baby in this basket into the river to try and spare his life. And if you know Moses' story, you know that, that uh, his big sister Miriam is kind of keeping an eye from a distance, and one day Pharaoh's daughter comes down, hears the baby crying, finds out it's one of these Hebrew boys, and in a moment of brilliant initiative... Miriam jumps in and says, you, would you want me to find someone to take care of this baby boy for you until he's old enough to, to be with you? And, and Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. And what an incredible turn of events because Jochebed, Moses' mother, is now being paid to nurse this baby Moses, that's, that's hers, until he's old enough to go live in Pharaoh's palace. He does go live in Pharaoh's palace. And, and this young man has a strong sense of justice. It's 
not sanctified. It's an unsanctified passion for justice because one day he's walking through the land and sees an Egyptian taskmaster brutally beating one of his own, a fellow Hebrew. And he jumps in and he fights injustice with injustice, kills the Egyptian slave driver, buries his body in the sand, hoping the secret won't get out. It does get out, and now he's a fugitive. He's a fugitive, and he's got a bit of a past, and he's fled to Midian, which is modern-day Saudi Arabia, and he's living there, and, and now he's tending sheep for his father-in-law. That's what he's doing. A life of promise in the palace has now turned to a life of being a nomad in the desert. And one day, Moses is out just doing his thing, and there's this burning bush that captures his attention. Now, it doesn't take much to capture your attention in the desert, but God really pulls out all the stops, says this bush is on fire, and yet it's not being consumed. And this is where the call is extended to Moses. Friends, there's two things I want you to know about the call. Here's the first thing that uh, I want you to know about this call that's being extended to Moses. And it, it has relevance to the call that God has on our lives. Here's the first thing I want you to know. The first thing is that this call is a call to meaningful friendship. I want you to think about this for a moment. When God calls Moses, God is on mission. God is on the move. He's about to do one of the most amazing moves in human history and, and freeing slaves from Egypt. And when he calls from the burning bush, he does not call out to this man who's passing by, hey, you, yeah, you, what's your name? I, see, I'm about ready to do this important thing down in Egypt, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if I could, you know, you and I could partner together. That's not what he does. No, God calls out his name. Moses, Moses. Now, we could quickly pass by this and get to the, perhaps what we might think the exciting part about the call, about what he's going to do. Friends, we've got to stop here for a moment. Because God's calling his name, which means he knows Moses. He knows Moses' story of origin. He knows about being put into a basket in the river. He knows the danger that Moses lived in as a young child. He knows about his family and the sacrifices they took. He knows about growing up in the palace. And yes, he knows about that day. You know, he knows about the secrets. He knows about the murder. He knows that Moses is a fugitive. Think about this. God knows Moses and all of his past, and yet he's going to extend a call, a significant call, one of the most significant moves of God in all of human history that's contained in the scriptures. And he's going to use this man who we know feels disqualified because of his past. He thinks that his past disqualifies him of any future of significance. And God calls his name. I wonder how many of you who are listening and watching today have disqualified yourself from being used by God or knowing God deeply simply because your past has been something that you think disqualifies you from a future with God. And God says, Moses, Moses, I'm about to do something significant and, and, and I, want, I want you. Now, We'll get to the mission here in a second, but let me just touch on a few things here. Moses is at a crossroads. See, we know the story, right? I mean, the book of Exodus, we could read it in like 30 minutes, but this is, this is like 120 years put into one book. And, 
And Moses is about to have incredible shared experiences with God. I mean, he's, he's going to stand in, in the office of one of the most powerful dictators in the world at that time. And he's going to lead people out of Egypt. He's going to walk through a sea that's parted. He's going to go into a wilderness in which he's going to see manna on the ground every day. He's going to walk into a tabernacle and he's going to have face-to-face conversation with God. He's going to go on a mountaintop and he's going to watch God etch his expectations in stone. And he's going to carry that those stone tablets down, what we call the Ten Commandments, and, and read them to the people. In fact, when you get to the New Testament, uh, Moses is, is with Elijah and he's going to be on a mountaintop and he's going to talk with Jesus. Think of all the shared experiences that Moses is going to have with God. And it all hinges on a yes. God is inviting Moses to know him, to experience him. And friends, he's doing the same for us. I have a sense of responsibility to tell you this message. Dad wants you. And your past does not disqualify you. Yet, friends, I wonder if we have settled for something much less. If we have settled for an acquaintance-like relationship with Jesus. I wonder if, as we hear our name being called, that we have not just said yes to God. We thought, we, like Moses will, and if you'll, you'll, you'll see as the story plays out, the excuses are offered. I, he's protesting. I, I think you're the wrong, wrong guy here, God, because you don't, you don't know me. Oh, I know you, Moses, and I want you to know me. Friends, I wonder... I wonder if you have settled for something much less than what Jesus has offered you, me, us. We settle for knowing about God, and yet God is calling, and he's calling your name, and he wants you to know him. There are shared experiences ahead of you if you'll lean into that friendship. Now, we're going to pause here for a moment, and if you're in a house church and you're not watching live, that's great. You, you, you might want to pause right here. You don't have to. There's some sermon discussion questions that you could kind of lean into in this moment. If you're watching live, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. We're going to pause here as well and sort of just settle in this moment. Think about this for a moment. God's calling. Your past does not define your future. And God longs to experience with you best friend kind of relationship moving into the future. Let's revel in that for the moment as Jeff and the team lead us. Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar. 
So friends, I feel the sense of responsibility to bring to you a, a, a good word, a message. Dad wants you. He, he wants a meaningful friendship with you, a, a friendship that's it's kind of the, this best friend kind of relationship, this, this intimacy to be known and to know. This is what Moses is being invited into. Yeah, there's stuff he's going to do, but Primarily, it's about knowing God. It's about experiencing God. And that is, that is the call. That's, that's the dad wants you. There's a meaningful friendship he wants to lean into with you. And the second part of Moses' story is probably maybe what you expected. It's a, it's, it's a call to meaningful purpose. I mean, Moses is being invited to, to enter into this incredible mission that God has in rescuing his people. He, he hears the cry of his people. He sees the predicament that they're in. Think about it, just what that, what that means for us today. He hears your cries. 
He sees your circumstances. He sees your struggle. He sees the anxiety that perhaps you're living with today. That's exactly what he saw in the people who were living in Egypt in their day. And as that's, that's going on, this is how God works. God chooses to invite others in to join him in order to accomplish his purposes. And he invites us in to live out this meaningful purpose that he has on our, on our lives. And so he calls out to Moses and he tells him, Moses, I, you're going to be a deliverer. You're going to rescue uh, my people. Now, again, stop here for a moment and think about this. This is pretty, this is pretty amazing. I mean, this guy does not have the resume that built that would qualify him for this job, right? I mean, he is about to lead over a million people out of Egypt. And he doesn't, if you look at his resume, there isn't like, you know, this leadership development strategy that, that's been in place in his life. I mean, the most that Moses has been leading is probably a couple hundred sheep. And he is going to be a leader of a nation of people. He's going to confront a dictator, a powerful dictator. He doesn't have the resume for this. And yet God is calling him. See, I, I want you, Moses. I want you. You're going to be my, my deliverer, and I'm going to give you some signs. You're going to come back to this mountain. You're going to worship me. And in that moment, there's going to be this aha moment that, yep, yep, see, I, I, I told you this would happen. I want you to trust me. So this is what God is doing. He's inviting us into this meaningful, purposeful life. And, and he wants to reveal, he wants us to know him as provider, as comforter, as rescuer. God wants us to experience him. And at the same time, he wants to use us to advance his mission. And this is exactly what God is going to do. Some of you who know this story really, really well. Uh, maybe you've heard it before, but back when Apple was not, you know, one of those companies that was making a lot of money. In fact, it was on the vink, uh, on the on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, the CEO that everyone knows his name now, Steve Jobs, the CEO at the time, or the leader, the entrepreneur at the time, uh, Steve Jobs, was looking for someone to to take Apple to the next level. If you know the story, he, you know that he went headhunting on his own, and he discovered there's this guy named John Scully who worked for Pepsi. The Pepsi, you know, the, the drink that competes with Coke. Uh, he finds Scully and he wants to hire Scully to work at Apple. So he's trying to convince him to come and he's not having any success. And one day he's having a conversation with Scully and he's frustrated because Scully is not budging. Scully is, he's in a great position. He's got a great salary. He's got great benefits. He's got a life of ease and comfort. And finally, Jobs, in frustration, says to Scully, look, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to change the world? And if you've read Scully's biography, you know that that just nailed him between the eyes. There was something, there was an impulse within him that wanted to give his life to something that matters. Friends, that's in you. There's something in you that God's put in you that he wants to tap into. For Moses, it was a sense of, of justice and, and doing what was right. It was unsanctified, but then it becomes very sanctified. And God is, look, so many of us have settled for a life of an acquaintance with God. So many of us have, have settled for a life of comfort and ease, and we pursued the sugar water. And I feel this responsibility on me to give you a message from your father, your good father. Dad wants you. 
He wants you to experience a meaningful friendship with him, and he has meaningful purpose for your life. Question is, friends, are we going to settle for the sugar water of the day, a life of ease, a life of comfort, satisfying our own appetites? Are we going to partner with God? Now, Moses, he's going to be way in over his head, right? Because that's why, that's why he offers all the excuses. I, you, you got the wrong guy. I mean, who am I? I mean, they're not going to listen to me. And Pharaoh's not going to listen. He's got all the questions that rise up that it would rise up in, in, in your mind when he calls you. And yet God is saying, no, I'll be with you. And God's inviting you. We're going to pause again. If, again, if you're in a house church, you're not watching this live, this would be a great time to hit the pause button. Again, you don't have to. There's some questions, the sermon discussion questions that, that you're processing in your, in your uh, house church. But we just want to pause for a moment here live and just say, Lord, um, what, what are you calling us to? See, it... it it might not be a change the world like the macro level, but it, it might be changing one person's world, this call that God has for you. It might be changing 10 people's world, 100 people's world, 1,000, whatever it is. We just want to stop and pause and listen to what Jesus would have to say to us. Let's do that now. So Jeff and the team lead us. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I will be yours for all my life. 
be yours, Lord. And I will be yours. I will be yours for all my life. So let your mercy. So we need your mercy, God. Oh, I will be yours, Lord. I will be yours for all my life. So let your mercy light the path before me. Cause you have called me higher. You have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher. You have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. Sing that. Oh, you have called me higher. You have called me deeper, and I'll go where you So Moses does say yes to God, and he does go. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. He says yes to the call, even with all the reasons why, and, and rational reasons why, he thinks God has the wrong person. But God is calling, and you're called. And I have the sense of responsibility on my shoulders to pass a message to you. Dad wants you. He wants meaningful friendship with you. He has meaningful purpose for your life. Oh, and so many of you already know that. <laughs> you know that if you, as you've leaned into friendship, and you know that if you've leaned into the call. Thank you for serving. But as we simply apply early on in this series what God might be saying to us, can I just, a couple handles for us as we wrap up? First one is this. I think we need to ask this question. Is Jesus an acquaintance, or is he my friend. Is Jesus an acquaintance of mine or, or, or is he my friend? You see, a, an acquaintance is someone that you, you, you rub shoulders with every once in a while. This is someone that you, you, you see everywhere. You, you know their name. You know a few facts about them, but you don't know them. Is, is that your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Do you know stuff about Jesus but yet has so few shared experiences with Jesus? And can I say to you that, uh, that in, in our world today that we, we're, we're used to getting stuff quick. I mean, we want to, in this case, if you sense an invitation from God to move from acquaintance to friend, that's fantastic. I, I love that. I'm so thrilled that you're feeling that, that nudge, that, that pull. Yet realize, as one of my friends says, that you know, oftentimes well, we, we want crockpot results in microwave speed time. But deep friendships, meaningful friendship, best friend kind of relationships take time. I remember the first time I met Trina Holsty. I saw her. She was an acquaintance, and I wanted to get to know her more. She, she would end up being my wife. 
Trina Holstein become Trina Fowler. But in, in those days in college, when we first met, I, I, we, we spent time together. We, we dated. We, uh, we, we, we talked. We had conversations. We talked on the phone. I, I worked nights at UPS, and, and oftentimes I would sacrifice sleep just so I could spend time with her and get to know her more. And the more I got to know her, the more I wanted to know her. And it, it, then we were engaged, and then we were married. And this, this, this summer, celebrated 35 years of being married together. And we're still learning things about each other. We're getting to know one another deeply. It's a decades-long experience. And that's what God is inviting you into, that kind of deep friendship. It takes time. It, take, it takes a, a daily yes to God. But all the shared experiences that lie ahead of those who will say yes to that call. Jesus' acquaintance or friend, I'd encourage you, Talk about what that might mean for you to move into the area of friendship. Second thing I'd want to say to you as we, as we wrap up today is a way to apply this is, I would say to you, become a house church leader. Now, that sounds like a big jump. How would we get from burning bush and Moses to become a house church leader? Well, here's how. We believe this is one of the ways that God is on the move. That God is in the movie. We, we, Laura talked about this early on that, you know, right now gathering for us looks very different. And we've listened and we really believe this is what God has invited us into, to gather in, in house churches. But friends, we've got a lot of people who want to be part of a house church, but you know what we need? We need leaders. We need people who will, who will kind of feel the nudge and respond to the nudge. And I say leaders because there's, 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 th- this is a place where, friends, you may already be thinking, well, I, I don't have what it takes to lead. Sound familiar? It's exactly what Moses said. We, we tend to respond to opportunities where we feel competent. Can I just say to you, one of the best places for us is to be in a place where we feel like we're in over our heads because that's the place where we will find ourselves in a holy dependence upon God. Christy read for us this passage from John 15 a little bit earlier about abiding in the vine. Friends, when you feel like you're in over your head, when you feel like you, you, you need God to show up, you, you tend to abide. You tend to remain. Oh, and that's where he does his deep work in us. And right now, some of you are feeling the nudge, and you're feeling also the sense of insecurity that you may not be up for the task. That's exactly where Moses was at. And we need leaders. We need people who will lead house churches and I want to encourage you to go to our website and to take a look at those ways that you can be involved and to lead in a house church because we truly believe this is one of the ways God is moving in our church in this fall season. Friends, I feel a sense of responsibility that's come over me to pass a message to you. It's a good word. Dad wants you. He wants a meaningful friendship with you. He has a meaningful purpose for your life. And I bless you as you contemplate the call that he has on your life, my life, our lives together in this day. Let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that you are a God who uses imperfect people to accomplish your perfect purposes. Your word says that you use the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. I thank you that our past does not define our future. I thank you that you want to be with us. I thank you that you love to have face-to-face conversations with us. I, I love it that you want to reveal to us, that you want to share with us what's on your heart. The psalmist says that you confide in those who fear you. 
Lord, there are people who have gone before you, who have walked very closely with you. That's what we want. We want to grow a friendship with you. We want to see your kingdom advance. Do this work in us. Fill us now. Empower us now. Grant us the courage we need to follow you into any place we're leading. And Lord, it's not about getting our name in lights. We know the name Moses because it's a significant story. I thank you for the many who have said yes to you whose names we don't know, who've done the simple task that has paved the way for your spirit to move in powerful ways. Now, brought your spirit on us, your blessing on us as we follow you in these days. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.